My name is Kayla McDonald. And it's your girl, Galen Smith. And you're listening to No Sleep Till Hollywood. We're not sleeping until we make it in Hollywood. (laughs) (laughs) And while we're up, we will be discussing the state of the industry and our place in it. And today we are doing something a little different for you guys. As you all know, there are the WGA and SAG after strikes. And so we've been moving away from these TV and movie reviews and conversations and more into just like the business. We talked a little bit about reality television, but today we're going to start something a little bit new. We are going to talk about a music video director who is a legendary icon in that space, but who has also gone on to direct my favorite television show, of all time. If you know what it is, then you know what it is. But we are here today to talk about Melina Matsukis. Okay. She she's collaborated with one of the best artists. The greatest artist. I'm sorry. After last night, we can go ahead and stop any arguments and discussions. The greatest living artist of all time. Oh living? Yeah, no. She's the great here's the thing. I, I always make the comments that she is the greatest artist of all time because she watched all of the other previous greatest artists of all times, studied them, and then innovated on things that they were not able to do to become the best version of what they were. And one day she will be eclipsed because someone similarly will do the same thing. But she is the greatest artist of all time as of right now. I'm not going to lie. I don't think anybody could follow her just because, like, nobody wants to work these days. Nobody, nobody wants to work. No, and she be saying that nobody nobody likes rehearsal because rehearsal you have to humble yourself to go to rehearsal. You gotta study, you gotta watch yourself, you gotta learn. Girls don't want to rehearse these days. They not they not giving what what she gives. All this being said, I'm not sure if we explicitly said it, but Molina Matsukis has frequently collabed with yes. the Beyonce Knowles Carter. Beyonce House of Knowles House of Crone, <laughs> excuse me first of her name okay um yes but no she's a frequent collaborator with melina matsukis um she also is i'm sorry melina matsukis is a frequent collaborator of beyonce's she also is a frequent collaborator of Issa rays and they did Issa rays show for a particular network um and they, she was really instrumental in that but today we're going to talk a little bit about her kind of early career talking about where she went to school talking about how she kind of got into the business focusing mostly on her music videos because like i said right. she's iconic music videos some of the visuals are being used on the renaissance world tour today let's get into it um funny enough i did see that grew up in the bronx mm. then moved to hackensack new jersey <laughs> Different Caleb, boroughs, different cities, but Caleb, your peoples. We right there. We right there. I'm crying. Not she's your peoples. Um, she did go to NYU. Yes. She um, did. she graduated from Tisch for directing, but it's funny because she went to NYU and declared a math major. Her her that mother was a math. Hilarious. Her mother was a math teacher. When she got to school, it was like declare a major already. She said, "All right, fine, math." She said she never really felt like a passion for anything. But then, you know, when you take 
core classes, you see the film students, you, and she, she got a taste for the film life there. Um, That's she so did, I forget that other people's degrees like make you take core classes. Because I didn't have to take core classes. The only classes I had to take out, like I had to take two specific writing courses. And then after mm-hmm. that, I just had to take, I think it was 12 or 14 credits outside of the drama department, but there was no requirement on what those were. So I took a lot of foolishness and some good stuff. But I took mm-hmm. um, this class called Love, Lust, and Relationships. I took that one. <laughs> Everybody took that class. <laughs> if you were at Syracuse and you didn't take that class, why did you care about your GPA so much? Like, please take right. an easy A and move on. <laughs> no, um, you know the the core classes. They, I, I was happy for them because, like, a, yeah, no, I'm one of those kids. Like, I'll, I'll ace it, no problem. But it did get me to like know the actual other kids in my class. So yeah. thankful for that reason. Um. But yeah, she got her yeah degree, graduated from NYU Tisch. And then after that, she went to get her master's at AFI in cinematography, which is also funny because she didn't really want to get her master's. She was just trying to go out and work. And her mom was like, just go get your master's. And so she decided not to do a directing program, but to do a cinematography program because she wanted to be a more well-rounded director. And props to her because <laughs> I took one directing class in film school and I wanted to fight most of the time and I just know that if I had taken cinematography I really would have fought everyone you definitely were up in arms I I think I learned very quickly that I am not a director that is not my for theater yes for television and film that's not my strong suit I don't care that bad (laughs) I'm here to tell you I could write it I could be in it I can executive produce it I'll approve the budgets but you want me to direct no absolutely and people who direct and star in their own things like Spike Lee, crazy people. Absolutely insane. That's, never mind. I'm not sure I can say it. Strike rules. But stay tuned. Um, it, it was said that her first, um, her first short film for class um, was shot in the meatpacking district. And it highlighted how women are perceived as meat by men. Though she said it was absolutely trash and she deleted it upon completion. But I want to see it because the concept sounds great. Right. But the thing is, like, her saying I had to delete, like, trash, I could understand how that could have gone terribly wrong. Because, you know, sometimes people have a great idea and then you're like, nobody, nobody said anything to this person. Yeah, no, it was definitely giving, like, it could go whoop or it could go whoop, but there's no in between, like. In between. Um, but no, so she did that. And then she, both times she graduated, her thesis was a music video. So when she finished her master's program, she had two short music videos that she was kind of able to use to like get an agent, start, you know, pitching for music videos and those things. And then she got her directorial debut by directing this random music video for Paul Wall and Red Hand Scoopy and somebody else. Called Dem Girls. Y'all, I have never heard the song Dem Girls in my life. That might be dating me and aging me um, in a way, but I had never heard that song. I knew who Paul Wall was. Um, Funny, I was just telling my dad this the other day. I thought Paul Wall was a Creole until I was like 12. Yeah, no. 
I didn't know that was a white man. That's fair though. I don't think anybody like, who only listened would who would gather. Even looking at him, I just thought he was light skinned. <laughs> he gives Creole. There are some Creole people who are <laughs> blanc passe, passe blanc. I said it backwards, and it could gate. It was giving that. No, it's it closest thing to him is like Pitbull in my eyes. Him, Pitbull, Sean Paul, Vin Diesel. Sean All Paul. people, you're not really sure what race they are. <laughs> Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel doesn't know what race he is, but he I mean, is. I know he's black, but like. Yeah. But so her first music video was this black and white video for Paul Wall. And I was a fan of this video personally. It was my first time hearing the song. It was my first time seeing the video. Mm-hmm. And I have to say. Her music videos give very much the era they were created in. That felt like Absolutely. a music video from 2006. Absolutely. It was, because it was, it was just in the hood, shooting dice, big booty girls. And yeah. <laughs> they even had the whole scene where someone's getting their hair cornrowed while they're rapping the verse. I love those. I live for those scenes in the music videos. It, it reminds me of uh production um i do (laughs) i gotta i can't say it i can't but um it it i i like the style where it's like the the through line of the video could just be you know the artist perform the song and then you get cutaways to like the things that i understand what we were doing because that was you You just rocking Cause that's that's how they be rapping, you know. Like, well, that is exactly something, something. <laughs> I told her, "Ball, motherfucker, ball." I said, "Oh, oh my." Back in the day, ah, <laughs> <laughs> um, the oversized t-shirts were really just what was sending me. Oh yeah, no, over oversized for sure. White tee, you know. <laughs> oversized white tee, a triple XL. <laughs> but um, I do like how her music videos were like very committed. Like there was a theme stuck to it, and there were glimpses that like she would show you throughout the videos that like we're matching the lyrics. Yeah. Because then, um, but... no, I was gonna say because like in her big break of music videos, um, for Ludacris's Moneymaker, something that like Matsukis does is like the glimpses were clearer in that one. Probably because, you know, budget's higher. She's been doing this yeah. for a while. Yeah, the Paul Wall music video was probably shot on a budget of, like, $30. Like, it was giving very, like, she made it work with what she had. If there was a budget. If it wasn't, <laughs> like, a, let me do this for y'all so then I could have a portfolio. <laughs> That's what it was giving. Because, like, Moneymaker, also, if y'all are like me, y'all, like, y'all remember the 106 and Park era. The Moneymaker video is the 2006 version of the foreign music video with Trey Songs. They are very similar. And whoever directed Trey Songs video definitely was biting Melina Matsuka's style, but they are very similar music videos. Absolutely. Cause um yeah no like you even see it um when she does start like collaborating with uh Beyonce and like upgrade you and green light it's like they're given three sets for sure decked out with i don't know speakers a car maybe all type of stuff in there a fancy seat and then and then they'll shoot whatever type of b-roll they can in between 
I don't know why I'm still swaying. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Caleb, you gonna give us some bars? Is that what's going on here? I might. I might. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> Second half of this podcast. Don't I'll be like, it. um, what's his name when he went on the Breakfast Club? You know who I'm talking about. I do know who you're talking about. Oh, are you talking mm-hmm. about, um... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was like, I want to rap for y'all. I can rap. I really can rap. Okay, go ahead, rap. Um... Uh, 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 mm. uh, 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 uh. <laughs> G- give me a different song. Give me a different song. The song, not, it's not doing it for me. Uh, it's the song. <laughs> yeah, some people, some people always, always be prepared. That's that's all. Always, if you get, what do they always tell you in drama school? If it's on your resume, be able to do it at the drop of a hat. Facts. So put no accents on there that you don't like to do and can't really do without working hard at it. Don't say you're a rapper if you're not. <laughs> So today's uh, quote of the day, be about it. Stay ready, ain't got to get ready. Stay ready, ain't got to get ready. But um, no, I think it's, yeah, I think Melina Masukis has this very, like, bright, colorful, like, style. Because I think, so the funny part is, the B-Day album, which is the first visual album that Beyonce created, it's the first one that she collaborated with Melina Masukis was, and it's also, like, kind of regarded as one of the first visual albums because a lot of other things had like a lot of other albums back in the day had like several music videos for an album or they might even even song every song might even have one but it wasn't necessarily a collective cohesive thing that was trying to tell a story and beat it was like the first time that there was like some overlap and then obviously the beyonce project was giving you disparate but still kind of related and then Lemonade being like a very clear through line, Black is King being a clear through line. But Melina Matsukis and Beyonce kind of in a sense, if they didn't create it, they definitely reinvigorated and innovated the idea of a visual album together. Right. But no, I love, honestly, the Melina Matsukis videos, we were looking at the ones like, she did Greenlight, she did Kitty Cat, she did Sugar Mama, she did Upgrade You. Those are some of my favorite Beyonce music videos of all time, particularly Greenlight. They ate she that did, video. She did one of my favorites, which was Sweet Dreams. Sweet oh, Dreams sweet, also a bop. Sweet Dreams turns on, I'm a dance. <laughs> not the Chris Brown shoulders. <laughs> Y'all, if you're not watching this episode, then you're doing yourself a disservice because Caleb and these and these dance moves have been getting me all day. <laughs> But, but no, no I'm like, Melina Matsukis comes out for the iconic moments. Right. And, I mean, we have to talk about the most iconic moment, debatably, <clears throat> 2016. Do, do, do. Were you there? Do. See, I have my hat downstairs. I should have put my hat on. I got a, I got my hat, my cowboy hat. Do, do, do. <laughs> the Illuminati allegations Y'all were high. Y'all haters that Illuminati mess. Paparazzi catch my fire. Rent was I done lost the hair twice. And I think that one was like, I mean, obviously, you know, both Beyonce and Masukis had a had a budget at that point. Such a high budget. They sunk that daggone police cruiser in the water. They said we yeah. got money. And the impact of that video alone, like like the fact yes, that Beyonce they released formation as the music video. 24 hours before the Super Bowl, where the, she then did it live, you had to be there. Where were you when the Formation music video came out? I know where I was. 
I remember where I was the first time I saw it. I was literally at a poetry slam. It hadn't started yet. And my friend was showing me on her phone, on her iPhone. Okay. That's how serious it was. I had to see it on the iPhone because I couldn't wait to go home to go see it on a TV. It was serious. Definitely don't. I was definitely home, but YouTube was open. Listen. And it was the serious. video was watched. That's the whole thing. It's like there was so much iconic imagery in that between like the 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 fact that we know that Beyonce's mother is from Louisiana mm-hmm. and Hurricane Katrina happened in Louisiana and for her to do the whole like flooded, sunken police car in Louisiana, like as like an ode to like that whole Hurricane Katrina and that situation and her lineage there. We had baby blue ivy with her afro spinning and bopping. We had all of these very different beautiful black women just ugh. It was such an iconic moment. Yeah. You don't have like, like that anymore. And and something I mentioned like before with the glimpses with the glimpses that like we were given in formation, it was like a quite literal translation of like script to screen almost. Yeah. Though you're not working with a script, you're working with a song and lyrics. Um, like you're you're seeing everything that Beyonce is talking about, which I think props because you know. A lot of music video directors, I'll at them if I knew the video, but mm. getting lazy with it. like Because instance, music videos are lazy now. The record labels understood that the best way to create a brand that people identified with to really move and sell records was to create these music videos. And at the time, music videos were, were, weren't super, super expensive, I'm assuming, but they still had a budget cost, but they weren't crazy. But it was an easy way to like get people to be obsessed with your new artist. And because we had all those shows where they show, MTV used to play music videos 24-7. So it was easy to be able to like, you got your return on investment because you knew it was going to be shown often because it wasn't, but at the time there were only like 10 music videos out. You knew it was going to get played often. People were going to see it, blase, blase. Then we move into like the 90s and the 2000s where music videos are no longer new, but they're still popping because you have TRL and 106 in part. They play music videos every day and they do a weekly countdown where your fans can call in and vote to move your video up the countdown. That increased the audience engagement participation. You had easy, clear ways to say like if a song was a hit because if the song and if the song was number one on the charts and it was number one on TRL and 106 in Park, you knew you had a banger. Then it was an easy, clear, and marketable way to see what was going on. Mm-hmm. Obviously, TRL fades kind of in the mid-2000s. And 106 in Park, I think 2013 was the last year of 106 in Park, which that was the saddest day of my life. I was so sad because I was such a big 106 in Park fan. Um, mm-hmm. But that show ends. And I really feel like after 2013, if you look at music videos, the decline, they just get lazier. And granted, yes, you had some lazy music videos in the heydays that we're talking about. Like, I mean, this controversial video always thinks, I think of this, but like Tip Drill by Nelly and the St. Lunatics. And mm-hmm. it's a very, it's a lazy video, but the song is lazy. And it's just, they literally rent out a mansion and it's controversial. Like you can't find the video on regular websites. You have to find it on spicy sites. Um, but it's literally they rented out a mansion and it's girls twerking, making out with each other. At the end of the video, they ran out of money to throw. And so Nelly swipes her credit card down a girl's butt. Like it's a very lazy video. Yeah. 
So I'm not going to say that lazy videos started in the 2013s, but at least it matched the song. To your point, I feel like not only are music videos getting lazy, they don't even match the song anymore. It's just like, all right, here's a, a nice purple wall. Lip sing your song on the purple wall. And it's because there's no MTV. There's no TRL. Music videos now are probably not getting the same number of views that they used to once get. Because now it's like you have to go to YouTube to watch a music video. Like right. There's no other way to see it. And I think now they're just becoming they're becoming something that's expensive that doesn't necessarily have the same return on investment, which is why I think like a Beyonce who only does visual albums, we don't get music videos for singles from Beyonce anymore. Other than formation, every other music video we got from the Lemonade era was from Lemonade. Right. Formation got tacked on at the end, but it was its own separate thing. And it's funny to your point because with music videos getting whack, um, you do have Matsukis who for a time went straight who wanted to who wanted to do commercials. Yeah. Because she was enjoying the short form and like loved music videos. Right. But she mentioned that there's a stigma on music video directors because people have less respect for what they do. But she brings up the amazing point, which is a great point for us when we're talking about the music videos that do put in that effort and aren't so lazy. You are telling a story with no script, with only songs. And you have, like, sure, there are the people who do some wicked, insane sound editing. So then, like, you know, you hear footprints on the beach in the middle of sandcastles or something. But, like, for the most part, you're just working with a song. So you have to and come up with a story. Because she's so good. Like, We Found Love to Me is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. That's a great music video, but you could watch that entire music video with no sound, and you still get the emotional story that's being told. Right. Mind you, the emotional story that's being told feels different than the music, because that was such a dance pop song. But if we actually look at the lyrics, they're actually very, very sad you get that from the music video and you could watch it on mute and you get the same thing, which I also think going into some of her work on the show that she executive produced, um, you could watch a lot of the episodes that she did on mute and you would still get the story because she's such a strong visual storyteller. She has such an understanding for color because she did the cinematography class. I think the way that she frames a, a, a shot, the colors that she uses, like she's really good at telling you how to feel and what's happening visually to the point where the dialogue is like supplemental for her as opposed to it being like a necessary thing. And funny enough, one of the first episodes of television that she did for um, this one show on, for this one show, uh, it was like the reason why she got called in in the first place, it was a music heavy episode. Yep. And so they were like, oh, hey, could you do this? And of course she did her thing because she's used to telling stories alongside music. And I think that's just like an inspiring moment too, because it's like, you know, everyone has like their skills and we always talk about like transferable skills, but Mm -hmm. sometimes your skill is so elite that people will want to transform it for another medium or for another project. 
Like it's wild that she wasn't able to be to direct commercials because of the stigma, but those music videos have now allowed her to direct multiple episodes of television on Emmy nominated shows, to direct a feature film that people have thoughts about, but has opened right. doors for her to do other feature films. Like the fact that she was able to take something small and build it into the career that she wanted is such an inspirational thing. I think that's genuinely like what Caleb and I talk about a lot of like the podcast is not the ultimate goal. It's just an example of things that we are able to do to help us build to the ultimate goals. And I think that's just like, as a creative, it's like, what's the smaller version of what you're trying to do? You want to be a filmmaker. Okay, music videos might be what's more accessible right now. So do do excellent music videos. Oh, you want to be a talk show host. Okay, you don't have the money for that, but you can do a podcast. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like finding mm-hmm. those like, ways to find not only transferable skills but also to be able to like supersize and shrink your vision to be where you are at the moment right because um in in the land of opportunity like unless you know what is not for you right your best bet is to take an opportunity when it arises when it arises i mean granted if it's like outside of your moral compass Mm -hmm. that's a different thing but if yeah, it's right. like, but if it's just like, hey, I got an opportunity to go be a PA on this sci-fi show. I'm not necessarily interested in working on sci-fi shows, but I am interested in working in production. You still might want to go take that job. Yeah, because um, I think Masukis even said it like, do what scares you too, like that imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be the devil on your shoulder, but you could still power through that because right. what could scare you could, everything's going to scare you if it's new territory. Right. So, you know, unless you push out that comfort zone, because I'm pretty sure she was saying that like when working with Beyonce, she didn't know how she was doing it. She said those were but, only like fourth, fifth and sixth music videos that she had ever directed when she right. did the first ones. She was like, I, I don't know how we did it, but we did it. And that, that's really, I mean, that, that's, that's even yeah, that's in school. Creative. That's genuinely being creative. It's like, I don't know how it's going to get done, but it gets done. And then when it's over, you're like, I did it. I couldn't tell you how I did it, but it's done. Right. And, you know, even, even when working through it, it's like, oh, this is trash. But, you know, at the end of the day, when you're finally, finally done, it's like, it wasn't all that bad. And, and what you can find really and what you could find trash, you know, somebody else could find treasure. And what other people find treasure sometimes. Caleb saw a particular movie and he is displeased. <laughs> and it's making me Dis- laugh. Displeased. It's making my eye twitch. <laughs> Discontent. <a> little... <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Upset. But no, I think it just is, it's really inspirational. I think that's why. But it's like, people ask me, like, why I love Beyonce so much. Um, there are several reasons. Um, some of them I sometimes I'm just discovering, but I think like her ability, one, to take chances on people, like because Melina Matsukis, like she said, was very new when she got to do this, but then to take a chance on somebody new, because at the time that was only Beyonce's second album, like she was a new solo artist, to build this thing together, and then how she's able to give people the platform to go off and do excellence without her, I think that is something that is very, very um, admirable, and just to have like Melina Matsukis is an icon. And to have that be somebody who collaborated with Beyonce and be like, that's where she got her start in a sense. Crazy. Crazy. Her we start. Have to give her, her props, bro. Because she ate. She ate it. 
Four plus four equals what? Eight it up. Eight it up. But yeah, this has been another episode of the No Sleep Till Hollywood podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. You can follow the podcast at No Sleep Till Hollywood on Instagram. And you can follow me at G Smitty with two T's and four Y's on anything with an at symbol. Anywhere with an at symbol. And you can follow me at Caleb Subtitles to see all the subtitles that I put out. But um, until next time, guys, good night, good morning, bonjour, bonsoir, adios, bye, guys. Or arrivederci. <laughs> I don't know what that means, actually.